Hiring for your small business? If you're not looking for professionals on LinkedIn, you're looking in the wrong place. That's like looking for your car keys in a fish tank. LinkedIn helps you hire professionals you can't find anywhere else, even those who aren't actively searching for a new job but might be open to the perfect role. In a given month, over 70% of LinkedIn users don't even visit other leading job sites. So start looking in the right place. With LinkedIn, you can hire professionals like a professional. Post your free job on linkedin.com slash spoken today. Hey, I'm Ryan Reynolds. At Mint Mobile, we like to do the opposite of what big wireless does. They charge you a lot, we charge you a little. So naturally, when they announced they'd be raising their prices due to inflation, we decided to deflate our prices due to not hating you. That's right. We're cutting the price of Mint Unlimited from $30 a month to just $15 a month. Give it a try at mintmobile.com slash switch. $45 up front for three months plus taxes and fees. Promote for new customers for limited time. Unlimited more than 40 gigabytes per month slows. Full terms at mintmobile.com. Hello, everybody, and welcome to another episode of the Celtic Now and for our podcast. My name is Ryan Crawford, and joining us on the podcast this week is Robert Boy once again. What are you doing, mate? All good, Ryan. Thanks. Oh, not bad, mate. And also, we've got a special guest this week, a uh, very well-respected actor, Scottish actor, and also massive Celtic fan, Gianni Capaldi. Big man, how are you doing, Gianni? Great, fantastic, as well as can be. How's things over there? All good? Aye, good, good. I mean, uh, spend a lot of, ho- lot of time in the house with the four-year-old and the one-year-old, so... <laughs> <laughs> not the best, but thankfully, it could be a lot worse. Mm-hmm. And obviously, it's it's a hard time as I spoke before we come on uh, come on air. Um, we're all trying to keep busy, um, so I really appreciate your time coming on. Cause I know it's a really hard time, and obviously families are locked down and stuff. So I really appreciate appreciate you coming on. Well, it's good to be on. I know that it gets hard, and it's um, there's a lot of depression out there and whatnot, and people, especially for Celtic fans right now, there's a lot of depression. <laughs> uh, I think the the lockdown just get a lot worse. So I think we're praying that football gets stopped now. But uh, I know it's good. It's good to find ways that we can keep busy and mm-hmm. and uh, things to to listen and watch to. Definitely. Well, obviously, you're, uh, yourself, Joanny. Early uh, life, Bollerwell, Hamilton, grew up that type of there. So, how was it for you uh, growing up in that kind of area? Was it always football out playing with the kids? How can I? How did you start? Aye. Getting, how did you get that? Aye, it was. It was. Um, I I I was. I played football every day. I mean, I grew up in Hamilton, so. You know, uh, you know what it's like. You grow up a ball, and you're, you're playing curbing, you're playing shooting in, and you know, World Cup. We used to play them driving up three games. We used to play. So I we grew up with football, and and football. I just love football so much. Football in my life, and uh, I remember I grew up. I played with Hamilton Colts at the time, and then I went to Muddle. Got signed with Muddle, and uh, and I grew up in the youth of Muddle. So. Um, I, if I if I could have redone it all, I would probably be a football. <laughs> if I could, <laughs> but uh, I, had a, I had an unfortunate accident. Uh, I fell through a glass roof in Spain, and then I cut my leg in half, and uh, it was pretty horrific. And I was in a wheelchair for a while and all that, so that kind of set me back. And and I would always, anytime I get kicked in my leg, my leg would just swell up. Mm-hmm. So, um, so I so that's but I was a mother up to about eighteen, nineteen, and then. You know, it was like, I think at the time that you, you could have went in YTSs with different clubs and all that stuff, mm-hmm. but, uh, but I, and then I didn't take that up. I see when you were at Mullerville, was that through, obviously back in the day, it was always like cleaning the stand and stuff, were you doing stuff for that with the YTS? Uh, well, I didn't, I was on the YTS back then. Right, okay, yeah. right, okay. I was, uh, but I was up to 18, 19, I, I had to clean the boots and things like that, mm-hmm. so I, but, yeah, we were talking about that, Gianni, on our previous podcast, just saying that how football players are so well. Now they don't have to do that. They don't have to clean a stand. They don't have to clean boots. And I would say it's taking about a realism out of football. That, that, that's spoiled nowadays compared to the way, like, say, for instance, Chris Sutton, Henrik Varsson come through. They were very well disciplined, I reckon, back then compared to nowadays. I don't know your thoughts on that one. Well, it'd be good to see Frimpong cleaning some boots like that. We'd get a bit of a shock uh, if he had to. But no, I, I do think that that was the whole thing about football coming through. And I think it humbles you kind of thing. So when they probably made it, they would have had more appreciation. And 
you know, know what other folk are going through to get to that level and that stage that they, they would be find themselves. Um, but I that was in complete old school. I'm trying to remember if he, what else he, you know, obviously the balls and the nets and doing all that stuff. But I remember when the, the games were on at the weekend, we'd always have to turn up, um, you'd have to get your tie on and all that. You know, I think, you know, one of the, it's a weird thing. One of the gripes I have about Lennon, you know, lovely guy he is and all that, but one of the gripes I have about Lennon was when you're the manager of Celtic, you, he wouldn't turn up with a tie during a game. And all right, you can miss the odd game without a tie, but you represent the club and you're the manager of that club. You know, the, when you think about the Ancelotti's of the world and, you know, the Mourinho's, they don't turn up with looking like they're, you know, just came off the bus. And, you know what I mean? Like, <laughs> and, I, and I always, I remember being a kid and turning up at Muddle on a Saturday, you had to turn up your tie, a shirt and tie. You had to turn up a shirt and tie. So, you know, you're supposed to be setting an example as a manager, you know, instead of sitting, I mean, no, I, I'm not trying to pick on him because he's getting enough gripes right now from people picking on him. So, but uh, talking about different days, you know, and I feel that things have definitely changed in football. Uh, it's definitely changed play obviously back then to now it's just I think well obviously it's kind of players are modical now and they're not getting this, the jobs done and I think like yourself you were maybe working through that and getting to you want to get to the first team so you worked the jobs you, you knew if you got a chance you can appreciate it a bit more I don't think I, that's the same now No it's totally different now football's you know it's all fancy cars and people think they can break rules and whatnot and you know I mean look at Ball and Golly absolute shambles I mean you know the whole country's in a lockdown he jumps in a plane to go to Spain mm -hmm. you know like that's what I'm saying it's like a lot of folk now think they're above the above the law and yeah. I think that's the problem a lot of times is as well is it's not just above the law a lot of times they think they're better than folk and you know especially Glasgow it's a very unforgiving place so even growing up when there was Rangers players and Celtic players out in the town you know you know, there's always potential for, you know, trouble a lot of, a lot of times, you know, because, A, you know, people, I think West of Scotland folk, they keep it real. And I'm not saying that all Scottish folk do the same, but I think more, you don't get away with it in places the West of Scotland, I think, as much, mm -hmm. you know, and people would bring you back down and put you in your place. But, um, but I, you know, they definitely are they're more protected and caught in wheel wrap around them. Yeah. See, Gianni, you're saying you played with Mirabella at a youth level and stuff like that. How did it go from football into acting? What spurred you on to go into acting after football? Well, I think I went pretty crazy after when I left. I was 19 and in a sense I went crazy because, you know, when you play football, you, you know, you don't, you stay off the drink and you do this and you do that. So mm -hmm. uh, I kind of went pretty crazy for the next few years and that. And then, um, uh, kind of found myself a bit and then I thought well what do I want to do in my life I think I went to Caledon University for a couple of years and, uh, and I didn't know what I wanted to do in my life and then I thought well I'll go to LA so I went to LA and um, I went to Stella Adler uh, drama school out there and, um, and yeah and I was in LA for about 18 years before I moved to Vegas so aye so it's just takes time to figure out and then it's a whole new adjustment, you know, because you always thought football was your world. So it kind of takes a minute just to come back down to earth and, and think what you want to do. Yeah. I was going to say to Gianni, I think a lot of young football players now don't see anything else other than football. Where they would, I think they maybe need educated in that way that they might not make it as a football player, that they need to look at other avenues because... It's a dog eat dog world in football nowadays. Aye. No, I agree, I agree. And I think that was the time my grand said to me, you know, because I think, you know, you could always join a YTS with some club somewhere, you know what I mean? There's hundreds of clubs mm -hmm. in different different leagues and whatnot, I'm sure, at the time. But it was like one of those ones that my grand's like, no, go get your degree, get your, you know, you know, go get your degree because then at least that way you can fall back in something, you know. So, um, so that's, was one of the reasons why I was like, all right, so, you know, you, I went to Caledonia 
you know, university at the time. And I think I lasted two years and I kind of had enough after the diploma, diploma level of it. So, but, uh, but I, I mean, it's hard as well because people always think, you know, when you try and think outside the box, people will never really, I don't know, in Hamilton anyway, it's, you know, people think you're nuts, you're crazy, you know, so you're saying, oh, well, I'm just going to go to LA and go to school there. They'll think you're, they think you're nuts, you know. But uh, it was, I'll never regret it. It was a, you know, a really good experience. And uh, I felt that you just, you step outside your, your sandpit sometimes and you get to see the rest of the world. It's, you know, it's adventure, it's, you know, it's new, it's refreshing, you know. So. And obviously, um playing Motherwell stuff, but how did you get involved obviously with a Celtic fan? Was that through family? Was it through a young age? When did you think Celtic's a team for me? Uh, well, actually when I was a kid, uh, there's a hotel in, in Hamilton that my, my grandmother grew up with that. My grandmother ran a hotel in Hamilton. She still does, still has it. Uh, and most of the waiters in there were all Celtic fans. So I remember uh, I was I was influenced by them because I grew up in that environment, and uh, and I and one of them took me to a Celtic game at the time, and it was in the jungle at the time, and you know, and I, and we'd have the radio on on a Saturday and make sure we're listening to the game at the time, you know, and and uh, I that's how it all kind of started to be honest with you, and then I went my first school was, you know, without sounding. Uh, you know, old school, but my first school was a, it was like a, it was a Catholic school. My first primary was St. Mary's. So when you grow up in Hamilton at the time, if you grow up, if you go to St. Mary's, you're a Celtic fan. If you go to, you know, the grammar or whatever, it's, you're, you're a Rangers fan. So it was just backwards back then, you know, it wasn't, unfortunately, thing, you know, good thing, things have moved on now. So but back then it really wasn't like that. And growing up, uh, Gianni, who was your idol? Um, at Celtic and player did you like your idol and who was your I think Paul McStay was always I, Paul McStay was always like I mean he was just brilliant you know and he was a true Celtic servant and you know he was a maestro as they called him um, so I, Paul McStay was was probably one of my favourites going up that was at the end of my era well at the end of his era was the start of my era was Paul McStay right. I remember being at the Coca-Cola Cup final my dad, I was about 12, no, no, even 12, about 8, sorry. And my dad, my first real big final, my dad's like, oh, this is it, we're going to do it. We get beaten penalties and I was crying. I was like, oh, this is terrible. That was the start of my life at Celtic. Jeez. Like my first real memory at <laughs> Mixed day missed the penalty. Well, a lot of people forget, you know, I, I was there obviously through Rangers' nine in a row. Yeah. <laughs> and it was a nightmare, you know, being a Celtic fan was a nightmare. You know, granted we had the, the double in 88, but it was just that watching them do that nine in a row was every year they're winning, they're winning. The Terry Butchers, the Chris Woods, the Gazas, you know, the Mark Hatleys, you know. I mean, they had, they, they really did have a good team and they had a, as soon as, a better team than they probably should have. And that's why they end up going bust. You know, because obviously we could go out and spend and then nobody would afford it. And we'd have a a better team as well, but I mean, they've really pushed the boat out financially and, you know, obviously they paid the consequences for it, but uh, I was really hard growing up for them doing the nine, you know, and then that's why I think you appreciate what Celtic just done now mm -hmm. if you lived through what they went through, you know, what we went through with them kind of thing, so um, aye, but it's not all been roses for Celtic. You know. I just... It's like for me personally, I'm I'm always with Sydney, right? So I've kind of seen most of success through when I've been a Celtic fan. So like yourself and maybe Robert, you've lived through the 90s, you've seen the hardship side of it and I've really just seen success. So me, this season, I'm like, I don't like this. <laughs> I'm just winning. Um, obviously, we're going for the 10 and it's as it stands out, it's not working out. So I've kind of not really seen the bad, bad sides, um, which we hope we don't, I don't, I don't see. Um, so it's kind of just good contrast to go for your obviously your experiences and then to mine seeing success and then no success. I think it's just it's good to balance that out. Aye, well we've definitely blown up. We've definitely blown an opportunity this season. You know, I mean I don't see us 
there's no way back now. I don't even, I don't even look at the league table anymore. Mm-hmm. Embarrassed and disgraced, to be honest with you, about it. But, you know, I, I can't understand, you know, foot, Celtic, it's Celtic, and I get it, and Celtic means everyone, but the people who run Celtic as well, people we say, oh, it's business to them, it's business to them. Well, you know, I, I, I don't understand because when you look at Borussia Dortmund, Borussia Dortmund fell five points behind Bayern Munich. And they had a much better manager than we've ever had in many years. So they fired their manager with falling five points behind Bayern Munich because they didn't want to follow any further. Yet, you know, Lenny's still there. Mm-hmm. And we had the perfect opportunity to bring in someone in the international break, you know, months ago. And we just didn't. And that just, for me, is complete miss. It is, it's, it's mismanagement at the time. And yet... You know, it's not about loyalty to Lennon. Lennon's been a great servant to the club. Mm-hmm. And we really appreciate him. And we all get behind him. Mm-hmm. But sometimes, that's why, I mean, if you, if you, anybody who argues this point doesn't know what they're talking about about football. Because that way, the managerial greats of the world, the Mourinho's, the Ancelotti's, they would never be out a job. Mm-hmm. Because if you always stuck with them, they would, they would never leave. But sometimes even the greats get a little bit stale and bring a new face in and taking away that familiarity from a player, you know, that breeds contempt or just something fresh and new, then that's what makes teams turn it around. And I believe that if the board acted correctly instead of this false sense of loyalty, which you're really doing the club no good, then, you know... There's always casualties in war, and Lennon would have been a casualty, a sorry casualty in war, but it was necessary for Celtic to turn that around, and it just didn't. Stuck the same regime, same things, same tactics, same ways, you know, and, and Lennon did everything he could. He just couldn't change it around. I mean, mm-hmm. that Ross County game could be at home by 2 0 with Ross County. I mean, I just can't understand it. We must have had 10 times what their wages is, you know, mm-hmm. maybe more, maybe 15 times. So it's, a, it's an embarrassing. It's an embarrassment to him. And all we're doing is, if you love somebody and they're failing miserably, you've got to take them out of that position. Mm-hmm. And, you know, unfortunately, Lenny Doug will go down as the man, one of the managers that lost his the 10. And I understand before it was a different scenario. But now we, we dwarf any other club financially. And it was, it was mismanaged. What would I you think- like to see happen, Gianni, at Celtic? I mean, I think it's too late now for the ten. I got to be honest with you, but we're we're right now. We're we're flog, we're still trying to flog a dead horse, and unfortunately, we can't get better until Lenny goes. So, not, what would you like to see happening? Who would you like to see coming in? Would you like to see a new structure put in place at Celtic from top to bottom? Well, I've heard rumours that the structure above some folk are stepped down at the end of the season. Um, mm, yeah. And I, you know, I don't want to say, no, no, I, don't. I think everybody Same. knows who it is. So I heard, that's what I heard. Some folk are stepping down at the end of the season above management. And then, um, but yeah, I mean, until, you know, there's talk today about Eddie Howe possibly coming in and Dermot having a change of mind and want to bring him in early. I mean, we should bring him in early. We should bring it in early. I mean, like <laughs> the problem with Lennon right now is there's a cloud, there's been a cloud above his head a negative cloud above his head for months. And that's when boards are supposed to come in and change it. Now, unless mm-hmm. you say we don't want to win anything else for the rest of the season, we don't care. Let them have another cup. Let, let, let Rangers win the double. They would have won the treble. I, I strongly believe if we don't do anything, they would have won the treble if it wasn't for their mishap, mm-hmm. you know, against St. Mum. We didn't beat them. We didn't knock them out. So if you want to rely on other folk to stop Rangers winning a double, then go ahead. But that's not what Celtic's made of. And we should be the, the team, you know, we st- unbelievable, we still kind of be chasing. But bring in, if it's Eddie Howe, we bring him in. You know, there's no expectations of a manager mm-hmm. this year. So, so people say, why, would you, why do you want to come in and manage a club that, that are going to lose the 10? The 10's lost. So the pressure's off them. They can actually take time and restructure new tactics. You know, I mean, I remember Milan, when Milan were the best teams in the world, 
they went from Gullet and and uh, Van Basten and Rijkaard and Maldini and Angelotti was a player with them. They totally they had a year maybe a, a six or seven year. Now that's not going to happen to us because we're so financially strong that we can overcome that and we can make the changes quick. But you know every club has a a, a, a change that metamorphs itself into something else, and I think that. Now is the time we have a we have a full half season where we could be doing that. Mm-hmm. So maybe we can get it we can get it finely tuned by the end of this season. So next season we come out the traps running, you know. And I think that's what I'd like to see at Celtic. And I think continually learning. We know it's not going to last. He's he's not going to be there at the end of the start of next season. We know that. So let's just bring someone else in, you know. Let them go for the cup. Let them try and ch- turn it around. We that's... we played Rangers off the park the first half. Yeah, we couldn't score. You know, mm. but you know, you know yourself. Football's a—it's like one of those games that you just need that tiny bit of luck. And right now, we, we just don't have it. And even that whole Dubai debacle—I mean, let's be mm. honest, it doesn't matter. I, I can. There's nothing stop me going to the supermarket today. But common sense has me not going to the supermarket, hanging out there for five hours. You know, so I just wouldn't do that. So the whole mm. thing about flying out to a pandemic and all this and. I mean, you know, and why take Julian? He does need to go to Dubai. There's nothing he can get in Dubai that he can't get back at Lennox Town or Glasgow. There's nothing. It's a joke. It's an excuse, you know, and he's the one person infected as well. I think you're kind of the same opinion as most of the fans, to be honest with you, Johnny. Um, but you're kind of, you've said it in a, a, a nicer manner than maybe some of his veteran frustrations. Um, but I we are in the same agreement as you, Robert. That it's yeah. things have things have got to change because we don't like saying it, but fans are going to they're not going to they're going to think of Lennon as a guy that lost the ten, and that's we don't want to think about as Lennon. But that's no. what some fans will have that in their mind. We should have won the ten, and we didn't. We're not really forgive you anymore. I mean, listen, Lenny's been a great servant. He's a great guy. He's went through so much for Celtic. Mm-hmm. And he'll always have admiration, respect from 95% of the, you know, from the fans that matter. Because you're always going to get fans that don't care and they hate him or whatever. Mm-hmm. But here's a we somebody brought this up. When Ronnie Dahlia knew he just wasn't doing it, he put his hands up and says, you know, I just don't know if this is right. And he walked. You know, he agreed to walk. Like, I, I mean, I just don't see why. I can't understand why Lenny couldn't see that before we lost the, lost the league. Mm-hmm. Like when he says, I can't do this, guys. I just can't bring someone else in. I just can't, you know. Again, personally, he's a great guy and he's been through so much for Celtic. Yeah. But don't forget, this is the guy who, when he left us as a manager, says, I can't take this forward anymore. I've done all mm-hmm. I can do. I've, everyone I know, I've installed at the club. So you need somebody better to bring this forward or more experience to bring it forward so when we when we end up taking Lenny back you know granted he had to finish off he had a cup final and he had a league to finish off but we were ahead in the league you know well, well we weren't ahead in the league but we were there there or thereabouts it wasn't a big difference and um, you know we, we were in a final we already won a cup he, he brought it home for us but 8th of December 2020 I was at Hamden and uh, and we were, you know, I want to say we're lucky, but we were only the, we didn't play them off the park, and it could have went either way in that cup final against Rangers. So, you know, again, a team of Celtic, anyone, any, any one of the three of us should be able to financially finish second if we manage the club. I mean, that's just the way it is. Yeah. No, I agree with you on that. I just feel the professionalism. If Brendan Rodgers left, has dropped. Dramatically, um, through players, through training, through fitness, I just feel we need a guy of his stature to come in and really ignite the fans again. Because other than that, I feel the season book sales will drop by the thousands, um, which could be worrying for Celtic um, financially. And um, if there's another pandemic, it could be really, really bad on us. And no having Champions League football, obviously having the chance to get into it, I think. The Celtic board really need to step up now because I think we could be in a real bad place if we don't. I I thoroughly agree. Everybody I speak to, I can't see them renewing their 
season ticket. And some folk have had it for years, but you know, there's also a pandemic. You know, it's not mm-hmm. just about selling. It's like you know, you think about it. We've all renewed our season ticket. You know, we've all got three strips. We've all got training kits. We've all got this and that. Like we've given we're support a club. People say, "Oh, I sell sports." We do support the club. But we unfortunately can't make the decisions, the hard decisions. And it's never easy to make the hard decision. There's so many, I mean, there's, there's businesses out there that have to, you know, fire folk all the time just to survive because of the pandemic. You know, how hard is it to, like a manager, go and bring someone else in if you see the club's not doing well? It's the same, same as any business. You know what I mean? But, and the whole Dubai thing, I mean, I just, I don't even know how that, it just, it baffles me, man. It just completely baffles me. It's like an arrogance, you know? Yeah. And I appreciate Loyal coming out yesterday and saying it. Um, mm. And I think the one thing they did wrong was they probably should have done it a week ago. Yeah. You know? That's when it should have happened. But, you know, maybe, don't know circumstances behind the scenes and whatnot, but that should have happened a week ago. But it was good that he did. I... I definitely agree with you when it comes to obviously the, the Dubai journey. Um, it was definitely something I think we've all agreed with Robert in a Lowell statement. Um, it was it was not the right statement in a way, but it came out too 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 late, shall we say? Um, I think back back here in Glasgow, Johnny. Um, I don't know if you've been about it. Full of Scotland's and uproar about it. Um, it's totally people are saying we're this, we're that, and there's no much we can really, there's nothing we can say about it because, let's be honest, as you say, we, sh- we, we shouldn't have went. You don't want to go to the supermarket. We don't want to go to a dog walk, this and that, because there's a pandemic. And us as a club should have known, as the club we are, respect, humility, blah, blah, blah. Just don't go, go to Lennox Town, as she says. We've got a world-class facility and just do our work there. Well, all I know is this, is since the pandemic's been on, I've filmed three times at the end of the year there. Once I went to Mexico for a few days, once I was in Albuquerque for about two and a half weeks, and then once I went to Minnesota, and the whole Minnesota production got shut down with 30 positives. Um, so what, what, I, what I don't know is, is how did Julian get tested? How did he end up positive? Because... Mm-hmm. If you do go in your bubble and you do what you're told and you do the rules, then you don't get, you'll no catch it. If, the, if you don't have it, you don't have it. And the three of us go away and we train and we go to your rooms and we train and we go to your rooms, we won't catch it. So what happened? How did he get it? Just doesn't he wait? You don't wake up with it. So, no, you know, I mean, it's, it's a complete, you know, I just... Listen, somebody could walk up to you and whatever, but the reality is, is they know there's this going on, so why would anybody be allowed to walk up to you? That's what I don't get. You know, how did he get it? Like, where's the negligence? Is it the club's fault? Was it his fault? You know, it doesn't sound like it's the club's fault because mm. then everybody would have it. It sounds like it was just his negligence. So, it's very, I think it's, it's very, it's hard to pinpoint, obviously, what exactly went on because if they're only ready to train, Rest, train, rest, then as you says, where does it come from? Because if they're all following protocols, they're all getting tested, they're all doing the right things, then if they're all in the same bubble, then as you says, it, it shouldn't really be happening. But it's happened and it's no really a good situation considering the form we've been in. And I, I, I think that if we were ahead in the league, maybe with 10 points, 15 points, we'd have still got a bit of backlash. But I wouldn't think it'd be as much because we're really, I think it's been rewarding failure in a way. And obviously during a pandemic, it's totally, it's not a good situation, but it's happened, is it really? Is it worth the risk? That's what you've got to really count to. Like when it was internationals and we're losing Edward and whatnot, that was out of Celtic's control. You know, we mm. can't blame Celtic for that. That was protocols that the, nas- the, the international teams did. But this one was completely on Celtic, and they just have cancelled it. I mean, that's just, we all know that. Hindsight's a wonderful thing. Mm-hmm. But I can also, everybody can figure out that now is not the time to be flying about the place if you don't need to, you know. Yeah. So, you what know, doesn't just, sit well with me on it is I feel like in the middle of a pandemic when people are struggling for money to fly a squad of 30, 40 members 
on a private jet to Dubai for five stars hotel for five days at the cost that I would just say estimate three hundred thousand pounds. Um doesn't sit right with people that's probably script and scrape to pay for season books for families. Um who's probably out of jobs now and eighty percent follow scheme. Um who's probably struggled to pay for their season books. And the full fact is they've then went put the under eighteens on furlough now. To me it doesn't sit right with me on that fact that it's just again blinkered mismanagement from Celtic Football Club and it's just every day you're waking up and reading a paper and worried what's going to be in it. Mate, I know, listen, I'm surprised that Celtic haven't said, hey, to all the season ticket holders, we're sending out a kit, we're sending out a Celtic top, a this and that, just to show appreciation. A Celtic top to them must cost, I don't know, seven quid, eight quid maybe. Mm-hmm. Tops, nine quid, I don't know, but to pay ten quid. Who knows? Mm-hmm. But the fact is, the amount of money people have ploughed into the club, a bit of appreciation they could have done, and it wouldn't have cost them that much money to send it. Every season ticket holder up at all. Something, just to say thanks. I think that's what's missing. Yeah, I agree. I agree. Um, your European trips, Gianni, tell us your best ones and your worst ones. Rob, I won't do yes. I caught the glass. Aye, we'll, we'll get a wee break. And then we'll let Gianni go through his wee notes and then we'll come back for part two. Uh, that's us for uh, part one uh, for Janky Parody. We're back for part two and uh, now the next episode of the Celtic Now and for our podcast. Thanks, Gianni. Thanks, mate. Yep. Hello, everybody, and welcome to part two of the Gianni Capaldi special podcast with myself and Robert. Obviously, uh, Gianni, we're talking about obviously your, your queer who you grew up, it was Paul McStay. Um, I think Robert was why I talked to me as well about your favourite European trips. Uh, we've always, we've all followed sail abroad. Quite good sessions, let's be honest. Um, obviously, you go to watch uh, the team play, but the atmosphere and everything else. Um, I think Robert obviously says he, he met you. Um, obviously, I ain't drunk, I ain't seen you once. Um, so, what's your kind of standout kind of trip or any trip that you kind of want to tell people about and kind of why you enjoy the Rainbow and Celtic? Uh, I mean, I think one of the trips of my life was uh, was the Rome trip um, when when we played Lazio. I think that was uh, I mean, it was just historical. You know, the fact that we go away and we we beat a Serie A team in Italy is just amazing for for Celtic and Scotland. Um, and just the atmosphere was. I mean, we're getting there as underdogs and we came out there triumphant. Um, and it was always a belief. There's always a belief when you're a Celtic fan. You can I will beat them and we'll do this and we'll do that. We come back with our tails between our legs and beat 5-0 or 6-0 or whatever it is. But, uh, I mean, I, like we beat Barcelona at home and whatnot, but being away and doing it was, been, was just top class. And and, uh, and Rome was such a great place to do it. You know, the Eternal City and the atmosphere there was just fantastic. You know, and we were treated well. Like, uh, I mean, I've, I've been to Amsterdam a few times and, and uh, I remember... I think we we won in Amsterdam, and I remember we when you're walking across the tunnel. I mean, you're back years now. Played Ajax, and the coins were getting flung at you. And I remember there was a tunnel just going in, and it was you knew you had to get from here to there, and mm-hmm. you knew you were going to get hit by a coin at some point. But uh, and then I remember Amsterdam the second time I was there when it was like riots in the square and whatnot. And um, but I I think that Rome was just. It was just like a holiday. It was brilliant. So it was a really good atmosphere. It was brilliant. And the fans were just top class. You know what I mean? Everybody was in a top mood. It was brilliant. Great times. So that's probably my favourite old trip. Actually, I think it's... I think following Celtic in Europe's... It's obviously you go and watch the games, but as you say, it is a wee holiday. Um, and you always meet people. Like people, people meet you and go, oh, there's Janet, I've met him and stuff like that. It's, you see people you don't really see back home and I think, it's, I think that's why yourself love it. It's just good to go and experience a different type of atmosphere because obviously back here, it's, you're going to the game, you're getting your pie, your bovro. It's, it's different. When you go abroad, it's Celtic abroad and, and you kind of get hooked on it, don't you? When you right. go here, I want to go back, I want to go back and I think it's, Something that I ain't want to show. I've only been to a few, right? So I'm hooked on it now. I'm like, I've got to go every game. If I can afford it, I'll go to one, I'll go to two. And I think 
it's brilliant just to experience oh, that atmosphere. I mean, I remember we're drinking on the bus to the stadium. We're drinking before the bus, the stadium. They're serving you drinks outside the stadium, walking to the bus. They're serving you drinks inside the stadium. It was just, it was more of a party atmosphere. So it was just really good. It's good. That's my four-year-old. That's <laughs> all right. <laughs> I, Rome, I met you, Gianni, in Rome, um, in the Irish bar after the game. Uh, I was talking away to you and that, but you all, let's say, had a few shared bits in you. <laughs> um, <laughs> great atmosphere. We had that brilliant time and stuff. I always say hi to you. And then I come up and spoke to you in Copenhagen. All right. In an I, Irish bar again. And I was with, when it goes to uh, away tips with Carol and that, we're just talking to you for a couple of minutes again. Um, I couldn't, it was all right. It was a good trip. Copenhagen was all right. Copenhagen was good. It was cold, but um, I think it was either a good trip. Yeah, um, really enjoyed it. I just love going away to see Celtic Europe. I just, it's like a, a good way to get a,
so when Mark, so Martin and I, when we were walking out in Dunfermline and that, we were, uh, we were trying to find the missus in the stand. And uh, so we are trying to look up and that, we're waving and that, we found them waving. And, and uh, Murdo was like, oh, you two, like a couple of tourists, get up here. <laughs> so, um, so we got up and then, uh, you know, we're sitting and, you know, it's like, Murdo's so competitive, he didn't want to put of his on. So he's like, you know, and and I think I don't know, like my I mean, boy was there as well, and and uh, we're just sitting there, like you know, look, keep looking at Murdo, getting a wee look every time, like that. So, 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 and uh, so anyway, I think we were. It was nil nil at half time, and so we brought 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 us on at half time. Uh, just start the second half, and um, and uh, so we're playing away, and we we started losing two nil. So Murdo gets all competitive again. They're right, Johnny, off. Hey, Petro, McAvoy, <laughs> off. Right, put, you know. And he's trying to get competitive again, and it's just a charity game. And um, and I was like, Murdo, I can't believe you pulled me out. Like after it, I'm like, I can't believe you pulled me out. That's ridiculous. And he's like, Johnny, folk behind me are shouting. I can't believe I put you on. <laughs> so we always, he's always joking about that. But uh, no, and then so that was brilliant. And then, but you know. It wasn't at the hollow ground, you know what I mean? It wasn't mm -hmm. paradise. So you're you're thinking. So the next one comes up, and you know you, you get the nod, and I'm like, I was just, I was so excited, you know. What I mean, I was like a wee kid again, and uh, you know you're playing with, with Larson and Maravchik, and everybody's there. You know, it's just, it's uh, it was just an atmosphere like you can never imagine. You know, they they said, they said, do you want to go stay? the hotel the night before and I'm like, no, it's all right, I'll just stay home and then I'll come up in the morning. So, but a long story short, uh, it was fantastic and, you know, you get in early, you have your breakfast there, you know, and you just get through the whole rig, man. You know, you're playing with Scott Brown and, um, you know, Chris was playing at the time as well. So, it was just, everybody, everybody you grew up with, mm -hmm. you know, you was there and you kind of, you know, you formed friendships and whatnot. It was it was amazing. And then, you know, walking down and coming out, and I took a wee, I took my phone with me. And when you come out, and you look around you, and there's honestly, there's so many folk. And even if you know that someone you know is sitting over there, you can't see them. Never see them. Never <laughs> never see them. You never ever see them. Yeah, sorry, I'll be in here. Um, no, all right. And uh, and I remember I took a wee video, and I've got a wee video when I was. The game was just kicking off, and I just did something around, you know, the stadium, um, and it's just it's so frightening. Like there's, you know, I, and it was it was totally unfit for that game, completely unfit for that game. But uh, it's just, uh, you know, I don't know. It was it was just amazing, like coming down that tunnel, and mm. you know, you, it was one of the best days ever. You know, like honestly, top five. Days I think. I think it's the fact that, as you say, it's the guys you've grew up watching, cheering, paying money for, and you're like, I'm actually still next in the tunnel. I'm sharing. It's it's what dreams are made of, and I buy it as on it. You're not actually, it's still a professional Celtic, but you're playing with the guys who you've grown up supporting, watching, and then you're kind of moving the warm up. It's awesome. <laughs> for me, I'd be starstruck about, wow, that's brilliant. Oh, Just to, to to have that experience is let's be honest, it's very, very lucky because guys like us that's something we dream of, so for for that to happen, that's amazing. Just to live live the tale. It's fantastic for me to can I hear that because it's, it's stuff you wanted that party. Mate, I, you know, like I'll be honest with you, like I just you you know, you have the birth of your kids and your 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 marriage days and all that stuff and like but it, you know, it's right up there. You know, you, <laughs> you can't say it's better than having your kid or anything like that. You know, mm -hmm. so. But believe me, like when you're when you're in it, it's just, it's phenomenal, and it's quite intimidating. Like when there's so many folk around you, like it's it's intimidating. You know, it's uh, you're always scared in case you 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 mess something up or something. <laughs> up. And then you know, it's all and it, it's all for fun, and it's just mm -hmm. one big Celtic family anyway. You know what I mean? So, and I think that's what. Celtic family is all about it's 
we're all in this together kind of thing, you know, and I think that's what the message with the foundation anyway, which is really important. You know, yeah. if people need help and they're part of the Celtic family or not part of the Celtic family, the foundation is always there to, to help. You know, there's been a couple of instances where folk have reached out to me and I put them in touch with the foundation and the foundation of, you know, done wonders for them and they, mm-hmm. they're always ready to help. And there's so many folk I know that support the foundation because they know the great charity work it does. Yeah. But, you know, that's what it's all about. You know, people forget that, yeah, it's easy to give up your day or time, but it's the fans that are putting the money in to buy the tickets to raise mm-hmm. the money for the charity. You know, so it's, it's a great team effort. Absolutely great team effort. That's what and Celtic was founded on, Gianni. That's right. That's right. Um, that's right. What did you, when you were playing with Larson and that, now we all go, phenomenal football player, or Chris, something phenomenal. How good was their touches and movement when you were playing just even in a charity game? Was it uh, like on a whole new level? Ah, uh, mate, there's, I mean, the touches and it's, you know, I remember Baldy went in for a tackle on Commons and Chris just stepped to the side. You know, he's like, ah, he's like, I'm not going to get involved. <laughs> you know? But, uh, I, I mean, the touches are just phenomenal. I remember there was a bit when I was chasing a ball down with Lenny and uh, I can't remember who got it first, but we ran a lot to get to it. And we got to it and turned around, ball got played away. And then, so we're walking back up and Lenny just stops and he's right next to me and he throws up. I don't know if you remember, there's a picture of him thrown up. But I got my hand in his back, going, are you all right? And I said to him, I says, I says, thanks. I says, thank Fuck, it was you. I know me. So I says, at least you broke the ice. So I won't feel as bad if I have to. <laughs> but uh, I know it's a brilliant, brilliant atmosphere. And it's really good to be involved with the foundation. The foundation's... Mm. Honestly, it does really good things. I know there's Keno Foundations there too, and they do amazing things too. But it's great that the Celtic family actually care about each other and, you know, they're there to help. Especially in these times of depression. When yeah. people think that money-wise, COVID, I mean, you know, if you've got a family and you, you've got money, you know, the one thing I always worry about is support my family. So mm-hmm. I'm sure it, it gets amplified. And, uh, you know, I speak to a lot of folk and they're always, you know, I'm going through depression and this and that. And, you know, I've lost my job and that, but there isn't one person that's really over the moon now, unless you're, you know, you're just solely focused on Rangers. So uh-huh. everybody's in the same boat, mm-hmm. you know, and everybody's, we're all dealing with the same issues. So, it, you know, having the foundation and, and is good because, you know, a lot of people just need to talk to someone or, and they can guide you who to talk to. And, you know, yeah. depression right now is a nightmare amongst everyone. Mm-hmm. That's how we're really happy that football still still playing during during this time because a lot is football's one of our kind of pinnacle things in our life. Um, Celtics, well, us three Celtics, are a massive part of our lives, and for us to just have the football, we're going to work and maybe you can't go and do a lot of stuff. But knowing that the games come on Saturday, the games are Tuesday, Wednesday, you're thinking right. I've got a game come up to, to watch and it keeps you, it's all, I think football's a massive thing and I think we should help it do when it comes to charity work, the trust and stuff, it's brilliant. It's, I don't think it gets, sometimes it doesn't really get enough credit, I think, than it maybe should. Yeah, I mean, listen, everybody wanted football because they thought the UK would keep them sane and, you know, that's been the biggest argument. Uh, I don't, I don't know, I wonder if it was the right thing to do, to be honest mm. with you. Um, but, you know, obviously, Mental health is important to everybody and it gives somebody to watch. Um, so something to look forward to, something to talk about. You know, what would we talk about, even if we're moaning, if we didn't have the football to talk about? I know. So definitely gives us emotions. And obviously, you did the charity games. Um, you're now in America, um, as you've said. Is it hard to kind of stay up to watch the games? Do you need to always go to your bed a bit earlier and kind of the time wise? I can't get to my bed earlier. I always never <laughs> really fall asleep before a certain time. But uh, I mean, I'll get, I do get up for them. Honestly, I don't think I've, I've missed one. Um, but I definitely get up for them. You know, I prefer if they're later. Like, I prefer the nighttime <laughs> games because then I can mm-hmm. get up in the morning. But um, I know time, time's all. I'm used to it. I'm just used to it. You know, old fun games are always 4 a.m. So 
the worst is getting up at four a.m. and not getting a result. But <laughs> definitely, uh, it's that's quite that's a long. Again, that shows you maybe how good a fan you really are, mate. Because um, you're over there, time difference, and you're still going to your bed. You're getting up to watch it, and you make sure you're up. That's just that just shows you as well how much football means to yourself and the rest is that that's what we look forward to. Celtic, Celtic's a big part of your lives, and it's uh, it's just as well as you're talking about it. So just I just think the same thing. <laughs> We've got a couple of mates out here that are Celtic fans. Um, um, a guy called Thomas Strain, uh, who used to run this, the Vegas found Celtic Sports Club, and then obviously Martin Thompson. And mm. um, so, you know, usually I'll be one of them watching the game at some point. Um, you know, Martin's just came back, so I don't know if, we, if we'll make the efforts now, though, for 4 a.m. I'm sure we'll, we'll watch the whole fun games, but if it's that time, but um, I would, uh, you know, Tom or him will come over and we'll just watch the game together. So at least you're you know, going up yourself and setting yourself at 4am. So. You've done some amazing stuff in acting, um, Gianni. You've done over 40 films and TV shows and stuff. Um, nice. You're now into producing as well, is that correct? Uh, a, a little bit, a little bit. Tend, yeah. uh, I used to be a bit more in producing, but um, how can I say it? it? Just I get pretty busy, so kind of laid off it a bit. But yeah. um, I... Uh, luckily, I've, you know, I keep working, so it's good. I can't complain, you know, as I say. And you got a Scottish BAFTA as well? Uh, well, I was part of something that won the BAFTA at the time. Yeah. I was nominated for the BAFTA, yeah. to be honest with you. So, What's your best acting role? What, what do you feel your best acting role has been? Yeah, I really enjoyed a movie called River Runs Red. It's a movie mm-hmm. I did with John Cusack and Hemsworth and whatnot, a few others, um, where I played this uh, Southern American... Well, from the south, like uh, I played a racist cop, um, so I played like the bad guy kind of thing, and dealing. You know, I shot a, a black kid, which was really relevant for Black Lives Matter kind of thing when it came up. Um, but that was interesting. It was a really good. I really enjoyed it. I felt that was a, a good bit of work because the director turned out. I've worked with the director twice now. And we're actually about to start again in in April, March, April. Um, but uh, I didn't end up doing a movie. He, so his name is Wes Miller, and, he, and he's a, a black American. And he, you know, he's became good pals now. We've worked twice, and and about to work again. And uh, you know, he would have to educate me, like you know, I'd be like, no, surely not. And like, no, no, I definitely, and you know, like this is how, because we think racist, racists are, you know, the. They don't wear shirts that say, you know, I'm racist or I hate black people or whatever it is. They're they're more subtle and it's more uh, undertoned, especially if you're a cop. You can't just come mm-hmm. out with it. So it was very, you know, he, he would he would tell me his experiences and or people that he knows their experiences, and I had to talk to a couple of folk as well just to see, you know, how they experience that they've dealt with. So it's the kind of thing that you could really delve into. And it was really, it was a really good shoot. I enjoyed it. Shot it in Kentucky, but uh, I River Runs Red was a good movie. Really enjoyed it. Because obviously, what you've done, uh, people maybe know you in Scotland for the film Robert the Bruce, um, the Blood of Redemption, and obviously you were in a Santa movie. After uh-huh. I looked at uh, Adventures of Santa, um, how was that? What a Christmas movie? Because it's something bit different in it than a, in a Christmas movie. I well, I get asked to do it, uh, and the reason I did it a couple of things. One was because it was through Universal, and secondly, because it was something that I felt my kids could watch. Because you know, most most movies I'm killing folk in them, so I didn't. Uh, <laughs> There's more action stuff, and you know, and I just, you know, it's funny because my wee one, well, Trinity now, the the big one, I should say, though she's just four, uh, she would always when she gets something on mind, she watches it like ten, twenty times. Mm-hmm. So it got to a point where. Well, oh, we've just seen that Trinity. Let's put something else on. Oh no, I want to watch it. So you're stuck with it, and she'd say things like, "Where's mummy?" You know, like, "Who's that woman?" You know, like things like that. Oh, that's Denise Richards. That's no, your mum. You know? uh, it was, it was good. And then I just did a movie called The Commando. That was the one shot in Albuquerque. It just shot in October, November. And um, uh, I mean, I think for me, that's I get told that that's one of my best performances by the director. I never, first time I worked with that director. But uh, and that was with Mickey Rourke. 
and um, but I get to play. I got to play Scottish and that. I just got to play an absolute psychopath, which was fantastic. Um, but I'm looking forward to that coming out next year. But uh, I everything's different, you know. You you go from from some comedy to a, an action to a thriller to you know a horror movie, whatever. You just you just got to kind of you know go with the flow. You've worked with some really big actors and stuff like Morgan Freeman and that. Who's who were you starstruck? Um, what alongside and if you became good pals with any and turned them into any Celtic supporters? Uh, I mean, I, I gave John Cusack a, a Celtic scarf as well, um, but he was a bit he was a bit of a dick. Got to be honest with you. <laughs> not to me, not to me, but he was a bit of a dick to some other folk. And mm-hmm. um, I wasn't. I didn't even ask him for a picture of it because. It, it, sometimes it feels a bit awkward sometimes, you know what I mean? Whereas yeah. um, other folk that, like, they get the history and they're appreciative of the history and mm-hmm. I always try and plug the foundation when, I'm, when I can. Um, yeah. But, uh, you know, Ron Perlman, he was, we just did a Western a wee while ago called Hell on the Border um, with Frank Grillo. I gave him a Celtic, you know, scarf. He was happy with, you know, Danny Glover was happy with his and, you know, a lot of them actually really appreciate. Even um, the UFC guy who was in Donald Cerrone, cowboy who was in the Mickey Rourke movie. He uh, they appreciate kind of thing the whole Scottish mm. connection thing. So, you know, they like it. And cowboy hung up on his bar. So in his house, so you know, yeah, somebody, somebody's let the cat in. Because obviously, obviously as well, you've uh, oh Robert Abuse, uh, Robert Abuse, sorry, worked with Angus McFadden as well, guys like that. That's just Robert England, they're guys that's obviously big actors as well. So that's just kind of shows you kind of company that you've been, or your talents go to to get into. What were they guys? Well, it's funny, Robert Abuse have got a really small part, and I only come in mm. at the end, and uh, I come in with Daniel Portman at the end. But I'll tell you, I was supposed to, I was supposed to do something else in Robert the Bruce. And um, we ended up, dates get pushed and pushed and pushed and pushed. And then there was a conflict and I couldn't do it anymore. And mm-hmm. they shot somewhere in like Montana. And then um, they had to go to Scotland for like four days of filming or something, five days of filming. So um, I was flying over and the, the director had said, listen, we're, we're shooting in Scotland. Um, I know it's not what you're supposed to have done, but would you just come and do a couple of days on the film? I says, I no worries. You know, so, and and. I'm good. I've known Angus for quite some while, so we just mm-hmm. never worked together. So, um, you know, it was good to work with Angus for a couple of days and, you know, I was home and it's fine, you know. So, it was, it was all right. But Robert, Robert England was all right. It's a funny story about Robert England. Um, so, he obviously played Freddy Krueger. So, I'm out in Bulgaria and, uh, and uh, you know, there's a movie called Night World. And I think it's always on that horror mm. channel in the UK. Aye, um, aye, aye. So, you know, so I'm out there and so the only three actors that were brought in for America was Robert England, myself and a guy called Jason Linden. So we get in the hotel, the first night you're at the bar and you're just like, you know, and Robert England's like, so did I tell you the story about when I was in, the, in my house at a party? And I'm like, no, no, that's interesting. So uh, I thought, well, I'm a, you know, you have me stand at a bar somewhere in Bulgaria having a drink with Freddy Krueger. He's telling this great story. You know? So that's brilliant. So, haha, very funny, great. Next day, go to work. Back, back at the tail, next evening, and we're there, and he goes, Johnny, did I tell you the time for the story? You're not being, you want to be polite, but you don't want to be rude. Is that, all right. Same story. Same story, <laughs> mate. Night three, you're like, same, I've heard it, yep, yep, that's when this happened, yep, yep. By night four and night five, you're coming in the front, front door of the hotel, you're, you're doing a Mission Impossible thing, so the, if he's standing at the bar at the lobby, he doesn't see you, so he doesn't wave you over. <laughs> and you're just trying to sneak off to your room, or you're coming down to your room and you're trying to run out the front door without him waving you back over. Like, you know, so you just, you just repeat the same stories over and over again. Um, you done still game, Gianni? How was that? Ah, it was... It was a, uh, it was good. It was a, it was a laugh. It was, you know, I knew Greg Hempel and, um, you know, obviously it was the last season and Greg's like, ah, look, um, if you know, if you want to come and do something, this we get this day, 
you know, we're, we're writing this scene. Um, Martin's going to do it as well. If, you know, it's a tele selling telephones. If you can make that, it'd be brilliant. You know, so that you know, it's not for. It's weird because for for growing up, it's still game chewing the fat. It was like an honour to. Yeah, you know, I forever grateful. Um, it's one of those ones where you're forever. It's difficult to explain because somebody in America will like, oh, what? Okay, you know, but you're like, no, still games a huge thing back home for us. Mm. So it was great to you know to have a to work with those two, you know, Ford mm. and Greg, and they're they're so funny, man. They're they're basically right in the scene when you're in you're outside and you're in the wee van. Mm-hmm. So it's Martin, myself, and, and Greg and Ford and. And they're writing for the director going, right, what if he say this and what was it that? And that's kind of funny, you know, and that's all their game. Their, their humour, their comedy is just, like, you know, exceptional. Erin Greg touches just tons to go, man. He's just so funny. So, um, so uh, it was a good experience to have. Brilliant. You know, obviously as well, Johnny, uh, obviously the, the pandemic and stuff, um, what's our kind of plans for the, uh, the future? Um, is, is it kind of put in hold anything that was maybe going to happen um, just is it any more got any more films in the making any producing maybe lined up again which are kind of plans for the future I um, well I just got uh, so as I said I, I did a movie with Michael Madsen in um, at the end of the year there I think in October September they flew down to um, Mexico uh, and then I did the movie in, called The Commando with Mickey Rourke in in um, Albuquerque, and then I got flown out to do a movie with Cuba Gooding Jr. in um, Minnesota called Way of the Warrior. I was there for two days, and uh, Minnesota shut the state down. So um, they asked if I wanted to stay there, but it was Thanksgiving on the Thursday. And so I came back, and then uh, to pick back up after, but they ended up with 30 positives when I was there. So, that was quite a scare because I was—I mean, I was there, and if I mm. stayed and didn't go for Thanksgiving, I would have caught it. But uh, I know I'm doing a—actually doing a movie with uh, Bruce Willis, and it was supposed, right. to shoot, supposed to shoot in January, and then it got moved to February, all because of COVID, you know, because there's real scares. Mm-hmm. But um, actually, I got word today that it, it has to happen by the end of March to the end of April. So I'll probably come home prior. I'm trying to come home prior, but uh, I do start. Uh, I do start a job. It's funny. I don't want to, to say too much, but I had two Zoom meetings with John Gotti Junior. This week. Oh wow! Uh, wow. About, uh, I. I mean, you know, it's it's crazy because he's talking about you know when he ran the Gambino family in the nineties. You know, mm-hmm. and it's. Like, I'm sitting there going, "Yes, Mister Gambino. Yes, Mister. <laughs> you know, yes, Mister." But uh, I asked Mr. Gotti, I'm like, you know, he's like, yes, what do you think of this, Jim? What do you think of this, Jim? And I'm like, oh, this is, you know, I, I, brilliant, fantastic, fantastic. Mm-hmm. So I don't know, see if that, if I end up doing that, it's it's this month, it's at the end mm-hmm. of January, and it's shot in Florida, but uh, there's a couple other things that, that I, I'm on a TV show out here called Paper Empire, mm-hmm. and I'm still trying to finish the first season, but because of COVID last year, it, it shut down, so... Um, I know they're just, everybody's waiting here, and it's just, you keep setting a date, because it doesn't get better, they push it another month, and then they push it back. So, I mean, I was supposed to come home for Christmas, you know, I had a ticket booked on the 1st of December, and I, and I was asked, no, please don't leave, because we're going mm-hmm. to shoot in December, please don't leave, 8th of December, 20th of December, boom, and it's just non-stop, they keep pushing all the time, pushing all the time, so, um, so that's why we're still here. Do you ever get starstruck with any like actors and stuff you see? Uh, no, really. It's a weird no. thing now. I think at first I did, but uh, yeah. I think I did a movie called The Cross, like in two thousand and eleven or two thousand and ten, and I was working with Michael Clark Duncan and Vinnie Jones and Danny Trail at the time and that. And I remember Vinnie walked in, and he's like, I, I, "Him and I were only Brits on it," and. Uh, and he's like, I don't want to talk to anybody here, you know, because he was playing the bad guy. And he's like, because he's like, he didn't want to be familiar. And then, mm-hmm. you know, mm-hmm. some folks stay in character. And then him and I just started talking about football. And then that was it. And then we became pals after that, you know, and I think we ended up working like, you know, six, seven times together, you know, you know, from 
Italy to wherever we worked together. But uh, I remember I, I met Megan Fox on that film set because Brian Austin Green was leading that movie. Mm-hmm. And she came to set one day. And he's like, hey, Johnny, this is, uh, you know, Megan. I think that, that time I did. <laughs> that time, you know, that was like one of my first movies out here. And uh, I did. But um, I, it's crazy, man. You just, you end up kind of like, you lose that thing, you know. And I think yeah. it affects you if you're working. If you work with someone and you have that, you've just got to kind of see past it and just mm-hmm. think of them as whatever character they are, you know what I mean? So, because yeah. you don't want to go in with that perception and, you know, if I don't yeah. give you respect in real life, then I don't want to, like if the character doesn't give the other character respect, you don't want to just do it just because there's something you recognise, if you know what I mean? So. Yeah. I say, Gianni, it's, it's been brilliant to hear your story, mate. Um, it's, there's some stuff I've, but didn't didn't even know about you, mate, which is brought to hear about. Um obviously speaking about Celtic, um I think overall I think the, the views I mean Robert's kinda of the views of yourself, um and the fans and we hope in the next few weeks it does get better. Uh, i.e. the new manager and whatever else and obviously for yourself, uh Jan, I hope obviously the film, the next film you do with Bruce Willis, that'll be brilliant. Um hopefully right. Hopefully when it, when it comes out, we'll get a wee, a wee watch. Um, I, I really appreciate your time, Johnny, because um, obviously it's a pandemic. I know how tight that is for time with the family stuff, and I, I mean, you really appreciate you coming on the podcast. And obviously for the viewers, it'll be a good wee listen, taking a know your story and how, how big you are with Celtic. So I really appreciate it, Johnny, and I really appreciate you coming on, mate. Thank you. Well, thanks for having us, and uh, everybody stay safe out there, and, and uh, you know, keep the chin up. It's, a, it's been a bad season, and, you know, but I'm... I genuinely believe, and here's the thing, the automatic, this is my fallback, the automatic Champions League place uh, doesn't happen next season, it's the season after. Mm-hmm. So, you know, I know if we can get someone in quickly, get things turned around, then I'm sure by next season we're, 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 we're off to the races. We'll, we'll secure it next year. So. Thanks a lot, Gianni. Um, That's us this week on the Celtic Now and for our podcast with a special guest, Gianni Capaldi. Robert, thanks for your time, mate. Thanks for joining thanks in. Man. And Gianni, Cheers. I'll see you again, mate. Take care, keep safe, and hail, hail. Cheers, time. mate. Bye bye. Bye bye. ACAST powers the world's best podcasts. Here's a show that we recommend. The Real Housewives is a guilty pleasure for most, but if you're looking to not feel guilty about that pleasure, tune in to Everything Iconic with me, Danny Pellegrino, where I break down all the messy moments and behind-the-scenes antics of Bravo's popular franchise. And on Everything Iconic, I also interview celebrity guests like Kelly Ripa, Kiki Palmer, Drew Barrymore, Cameron Diaz, and more about their guilty pleasures, their past work, and so much more. So if you're pop culture obsessed and find yourself watching way too much reality TV like me, tune in to Everything Iconic with Danny Pellegrino, wherever you listen to podcasts. ACAST helps creators launch, grow, and monetize their podcasts everywhere. ACAST.com.